Welcome once again to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. Joining me, once again, as always, are two real academics from actual institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're coming to you from the Edward Lillywhite Norton Center for Urban Sanitation Studies here on the beautiful Hoople campus. Today we're talking about another discovery from Iron Age Jerusalem, Giardia duodenalis, the protozoa that causes dysentery in cesspits connected to, or actually slightly below, elite residences. This discovery, it's the earliest example of Giardia in the ancient Near East, adds to our understanding of just how unhealthy Iron Age populations were in the Southern Levant, which were previously shown to have had tapeworms, pinworms, roundworms, and whipworms. Whipworms, it's hard to say. None of this, in any case, sounds very good. So what does this tell us about the development of ancient Near Eastern and specifically biblical era societies? Sure, the water was contaminated in urban settings, but was this kind of communicable disease really such a big deal, provided that you or your kid didn't actually die? It's very hard to say, but the big question is, were cooking pots actually a dual-use technology employed at the end of their lives as chamber pots? It's an intriguing and slightly scary thought. Okay, well... Um... I understand there's going to be a serious break with protocol today. Oh, right. I'm doing the lightning round. Yeah. Whoa. Hang yeah. on to your hats. Boy, I listener. should have been given a little bit of information about this, a little bit of heads up. Well, <laughs> the thing is, um, the thing is, uh, well, I'm not even going to say what it's the being. Thing is. It's a, there's a tastefulness factor. Okay. So here's the lightning <laughs> round. Your favorite thing about the Iron Age in the Southern Levant. That's very broad. It is broad. <laughs> About the Iron Age one or two or but it's it's broad. It's well, I was seven hundred years. I was thinking Iron Age two, okay? okay. Um and you can and you know, originally I was thinking Israel and Judah, but you know, I did say Southern Levant and everything counts, Transjordan, Philistia, even parts of Phoenicia, the southern part. I like the postal system. <laughs> <laughs> Something we don't know that much about. <laughs> well, okay, I um, find it. I find it intriguing. I wish to learn more. Okay. Okay. Oh, God Almighty, that is so much to choose from. Well, you know, I wanted to make it. Uh, Boy, I was gonna. If I had done it, I would have gone in a completely different direction. Well, what but, would you have gone in? <laughs> no, no. Uh, this is. This is your uh, this is your party. <laughs> you would have gone for some sort of toilet humor. <laughs> this is my one. Because of today's topic, I'm going to say the fact that we have toilets. 
Okay. Okay. Very good. So <laughs> and yours? Mine was going to be serious and brought large, which is um <laughs> I like I like the iron too because it has so many historical synchronies. Um and uh you know it's fun to explore what archaeological evidence shows that is related to what we actually knew from other texts, from, from texts. Okay. A fun answer, but <laughs> okay. Gosh, though, this is the funnest lightning round that we've <laughs> we've had in a while. All right. All right. Well, I guess this is what happens when we give the least humorous one among us the task of the lightning round. Oh, no, let's, it's not. Let's... Well, maybe, the, maybe there's a joke in there that will hit like in a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be walking down the street and just double up. <laughs> All right. So in case people haven't figured this out yet, we're going to be talking about toilets. Again, I should say, That's because right. again, I, we're talking sixty-nine episodes ago. Episode so number six. We refer you to episode number six. So this is toilets number two. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> One could say oh, that. the jokes just write themselves <laughs> this, from this point on, don't they? Yeah. Um, um, okay. Well, so uh, in 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 keeping with our new practice of being of of hewing close to the text put it that way the article that we're talking about is giardia duodenalis and dysentery in iron age jerusalem seventh sixth century published in parasitology um you know and i our copy just came so i just <laughs> discovered about this written by uh, a bunch of people including our friends uh, yuval gadot and uh, daphna langut and the but title in the lead author, the lead author is Piers. Oh, Mitchell. Piers Mitchell. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that person. I'm, I'm shout out to them too. Right, yeah. absolutely. No, and one of my questions. Well, I should save it, but I'm wondering how. First of all, I'm wondering how we don't, found. Don't Scott. keep that question in. Okay, I'm just wondering who, if the lead authors are on this side. Oh God. <laughs> oh yeah. This is going to be a laugh riot, folks. <laughs> I was just wondering if the lead authors are the lead author is more on the science side of things, not an archaeologist, and how. how... I think if, I think is because the article is in parasitology. I I would say so. Let me. Well, yeah. he's in the Department of Archaeology at Cambridge. Oh. So who knows how Dr. Mitchell has come to be so closely associated with. Scatological remains. Right. And and how did we find this article? Did it come around on a listserv? Because I couldn't find Probably. it. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Our, our our diligent team of of researchers <laughs> in the back office here at the at the Bob and Ray Institute. They're always coming up with the good stuff like this. Yeah. All right. So so is somebody going to introduce this properly? Well, they're toilets. And these, they're toilets in Jerusalem. Um, Jerusalem. Thrones what? within the throne city. <laughs> um, one toilet from uh, the house of Achiel in the city of David, and another from um, Armona Nativ, which is a little bit south of of uh, downtown. <laughs> Both. <laughs> going to be a long episode. Hmm. Um, I'm going to set the timer here. <laughs> and uh, 
and they're digging out the uh, the remains from these latrines and they're looking with they put their their scientific hats on and what did they come up with <laughs> well, hold on. Let's, well let's sketch this out a little bit these these toilets were actually sitting more or less on top of cesspits right so unlike the lachish example which we talked about earlier in the gates in the gate which wasn't really on a cesspit um but was you know sort of in some kind of a almost <laughs> sort of in public yeah <laughs> very public <laughs> Uh, even a, a sort of a shrine or cultic area, part of the gate. Um, these toilets were found over cesspits, so more or less in situ. Right. And they were able to <laughs> glean. <laughs> Extract <laughs> sediments. From those, yeah. from those deposits. So right. that was, that was a, a nifty piece of work. Right, right. And, and I should point out, we should point out that previous studies have found evidence for a whole bunch of different um, well, um, things like whipworm, roundworm, uh, tapeworm, and pinworm, but they were looking in particular for types of bacteria that are associated with um, with dysentery in particular. Right. Yeah, and they found one. Yeah. 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 They found Jardia. Right. Right, and that's the biggie. Right. That's the big common one, common sort of stomach ailment. Right. And worldwide and and an affliction of of hikers and you know yeah. what it's uh the the new york state department of health you know what their their webpage on giardia um has in brackets no i don't know tell me beaver <laughs> fever whoa okay <laughs> and uh, a phrase that i hadn't really heard before in association with uh giardia or and uh, but it makes perfect sense because it's it is, among other things, a zoonotic disease and um, associated with uh, contamination. Right. In other words, if you're hiking, you can get it from, from coming in contact with animal feces. Is that what you're saying? And well, Did I not say more that? usually water that's been contaminated. Water. Oh, okay. okay. Right. Hence that's the beaver right. part. And that's right. Yeah. And that's the, um, that's why, you know, water supply is so crucial and, you know, safety of, of your water supply. And this article points to lots and lots of aspects of urban life. Yes. In the first millennium BCE. And undoubtedly can be extrapolated to earlier, you know, urban periods. Right. And to, and to every urban settlement everywhere in the world after some point or another. Right. Yeah. And, and that was what was, uh, I think, most, well, there are two things that, that interested me. One was just how antiquity was very unhealthy. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't think we've really processed just how unhealthy it was. Um, you know, well, we sort of, uh, do you mean in general or? In general. In general. our podcast? Because we sort of had <laughs> this whole notion that, you know. Podcast is unhealthy. With, with plant and animal domestication, you know, you have a, a deterioration of health. You have also right, you get anthrax from your animals that you love so much and, right, and you tuberculosis get, and, yeah, and you know, you get all sorts of back ailments because you're, you know, bending over and grinding. Exactly. Okay, yes, but that's different. That's no, know. it's different, but it's just it's not the healthiest lifestyle. Okay. Um, so would you like to go back to being a hunter gatherer? Me? 
I would I would just end up eating eating grass. I would just you know the like the the least amount of work that I could do, and the least amount of you know animal processing that I would have. I mean you know, yeah, I would be eating nuts. I would have be emaciated, blind, and you know. <laughs> Well, by the time we by the time we got to our age, <laughs> we'd have been dead for twenty five years. Right. right. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying that there's some benefits. You would them. be venerated as a as an elder <laughs> of the community. <laughs> well, and you I, made it out of childhood. Right. 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 Um, well, no, I think I think I would prefer to live longer but unhealthier in an urban environment. I'm just I'm just defending urban life. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, there's a lot to commend urban life. Yeah. But let's get a little bit refocused on the actual. <laughs> let's topic. die. Let's drill down into this. <laughs> okay. So this is so, the earliest Giardia um, yep. evidence. Yeah. In, it is the earliest evidence for Giardia. Right. And and, and I uh, should also point out that that the reason we have it is because they figured out a different way of, if I may use science as a verb, to science this and uh figure out uh, that you can you can find Jardia, which is usually hard to find because it's fragile. Right. But they have these new these new methodologies. Enzyme-linked immunoabsorbent assays. Right. Um, Abbreviated to Alyssa, which is so pretty. Oh, that is Alyssa. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I didn't write down what it comes to. Yeah, there's that and there's another there's another method. Yeah. So if, if it was capable, if if people were capable of doing these kinds of analyses all over the ancient world, the ancient Near East, that we would come up with similar, similar right. sorts of results. Oh sure, I mean right, but again, let's maybe mm -hmm. present the stuff and then because there's so many tangents that we can take off on. So we have these two toilets in Jerusalem. That's sort of you know important in and of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, the discovery of toilets, why they, why there are toilets, why there are only few toilets. Um, mm -hmm. And then the fact that both of them had evidence for Jardia, um, the earliest evidence, and then what Jardia means, which is, you know, contamination of water supplies, proximity to animal feces, and then all the vectors that that, how that stuff can get spread around. Um, and then, um and then the fact that um, it's all part of urban life. And mm -hmm. so urban life was not only smelly and probably visually a little a little disconcerting. <laughs> Somewhat but, jarring. You know, on any given day, you could end up saying, yeah, I'm not going into work today. <laughs> right. I'm feeling a little shocked. And that's, that's actually a big, that's an important thing. I mean, it affects... Right. It affects everything. Right. Um, so um, let's be more specific about <laughs> uh, the, the locations of these two toilets and, you know, why there are so few found. Okay. Okay. So they were probably uh, for the elites um, or some portion of the elites. Uh, so the one in the house of Ahiel is in the, the, the city of David. So it was um, a, block of houses in use from what the eighth century through to the destruction by the Babylonians of the city of Jerusalem in 586. Um, but this, they're, they're sort of loosely using the, the date late seventh, early sixth. And that's um, the appropriate term. Right. And iron age too. Okay. <laughs> I was referring to loosely, but you know, oh, God. 
Yeah. <laughs> keep it, keep it up. Is, it slow. is Jardia Day. It's Jardia Day. Jardia is such a pretty sounding word too. I should yeah, say. Right. Well. It's a good name for a daughter. Or a son. Yeah, Jardio. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and and then the other one is found in what seems to be um a palace, uh, an Assyrian style palace. That's the one in um Arman Hanatsiv. Or at least an estate. I don't know if it's an Assyrian style palace, but well, I looked up what was the word, but Batana, Batanu, um, and I found an 1965 article by Oppenheim um, <laughs> <laughs> defining it as as a palace, but again, right. I, but um, I think a state is probably but the, the the crux of the biscuit is that um, stone toilets, which are big slabs of stone with holes bored through them, um, are uncommon. Well, a hole, one hole. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm. Many yeah, toilets, I'm, many holes. I'm sorry, right. one was described as having a smaller hole in the front for males to use the way males use things. Okay, okay. That's <laughs> well, the, yeah. the, the 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 hole in the front doesn't seem to be bored is actually born bored through. I was wondering about that, right? Because I definitely read this in the article that that's what they're thinking it is. Um, but I in the picture, yeah. Well, doesn't look Anyway, still, okay. there's still a few things to work out with these toilets. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the, the very fact that it's a stone with a hole in it means that somebody invested a comparatively large amount of time and energy. Right. Yeah. In, and the stone in, is also slightly concave, right? So like you can sit <sighs> comfortably. Well, yeah. It's... Yeah, it is. I don't know how comfortable. Well, you know, sure. <laughs> uh, on on a hot summer day, what could be more <laughs> relaxing than, uh, as opposed to a cold winter day? Well, you know, I just happened to walk down the toilet article in Home Depot the other day, and you know, they do have the soft ones, and then they have the 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 like fabric or furry, you know. They still make those. They do. Boy, that yeah. seems very sixties. I know, right? So very disturbing. Anyway, go go on. I I think we're missing the point. <laughs> <laughs> If you have a stone uh, a stone toilet, then that suggests that you are an elite of some kind. Right. And everybody else who doesn't have that is using more rustic kinds of accommodations. Right. Not not yeah. typically preserved in the archaeological record. Well, so what we're funny. looking at is uh, are the uh, is the health status of comparatively of well situated individuals in the society who were sick as dogs uh right mm -hmm. and so does that mean that the the underclasses um in in their rustic settings were more healthy because of all the fresh air <laughs> and less contamination or were they less healthy uh, um i was thinking the same thing i was thinking that in, in rural settings, they were, you know, you can just go to the corner of your field, um, the corner of your village. Um, and well, what are the rules? All the, all societies have rules for that sort of thing. Yeah, you can't right. do that here. Right. Well, I guess the biggest rule is, you know, is water contamination. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. if you're at well, a village. I think the and... biggest, biggest rule is probably take it out of the house. <laughs> well, don't even do it in the house. Right. Well, you, you know, th there's something we're forgetting here. 
I think archaeologists need to rethink some pottery forms as or broken pottery forms as chamber pots because oh. there must have been. Okay. It's not just that's my cooking pot. Right. But but now it broke. So I'm gonna just put it in the bedroom. I mean, we should actually think about this in terms of of um, you know, where you find broken large pieces of pots in a house. If you find a piece of a cooking pot in a bedroom area. Maybe it's just a snack. <laughs> I think that they're Leftovers. not. I don't. Why not? This, I'm just thinking this through for the first time right now. Um, Real time. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we should do these things live. Um, possibly. Sure. Actually, what's, what, what then is really interesting is how about places like Ashikli Huyuk and Chateau Huyuk, which, you know, are all these very, very, very dense mm -hmm. um, things where you, you know, settlements where you had to really work hard to get outside of the settlement so in the right. middle of the you night have, you there. have to climb over somebody's roof yeah exactly a lot of climbing and it's a out, out of my way it's a whole parkour amusement park there no so doubt. defecation in places like that must have been a real interesting logistical challenge right an everyday logistical challenge right whereas villages it's very easy you know yeah. john candy said in i think it was continental divide i don't know one of those movies you know what i i love nature it's like a big outhouse <laughs> <laughs> right which is which is not a thing you could say about um iron age jerusalem well, maybe, maybe you could well, i was but... gonna say maybe euphemistically but who knows? <laughs> right um but that, no but that's the thing and the elites are not going to be out there in the fields right um, and they're going to be surrounded by people most of the time and, um, you know, so so it makes sense for them to have indoor plumbing, as it were. I shouldn't say plumbing, but I was going to say, yeah, yeah, indoor facilities. And uh, so I would bet that you have well, clearly you have more issues um, in in the city. And I would bet that the elite have a whole lot more issues than the non elite who might be using chamber pots, which also right. isn't the most sanitary thing, but it's better than a cesspit in your in your palace well no it's worse because then you have to you just dump it into the street where do you what's what's going on well, well they're not come on they're not medieval europeans they're not dumping <laughs> it into the street so you know let's but yeah these are all things that that again need to be you know sort of figured out um yeah we don't know a lot but you know this is this is sort of the tip of the iceberg right <laughs> well it it's is. one of these topics that people haven't really commented on or internalized um well, possibly doesn't, doesn't deserve to be internalized <laughs> that's not healthy <laughs> better out than in i always say all right but back back to the archaeological context so oh god i just you see i'm like so late getting these jokes um <laughs> <laughs> well call them jokes as being very very generous <laughs> Um, so the one, the house of Ahiel is usually considered to be an elite residence in the right. elite part of the city. The right. one in um, Arman Hanatsiv is apparently in a sort of garden space adjacent to this, you didn't say palace, what'd you say? Um, royal estate. A royal estate, right. So it's a little bit removed from the inside space and, um, but, but, you know, it's still very much an elite house. So um, Come let me show you my beautiful garden. 
Oh, right. that's my that's my outhouse right there it has a stone seat though <laughs> there is a nice little reconstruction in an article about the site in which they have this outhouse in the middle of this beautiful garden area yes and and, and i think that that's actually really an interesting kind of thing because we would look at it and say oh my god it's you know th this outhouse you know spoils the whole garden view but you know an elite might say hey look man i've got this outhouse isn't that you know how swank Right. I was imagining looking at that reconstruction, I was actually imagining, you know, somebody coming to visit and, you know, you want to see the house. So they show off the best part of the house, which is the toilet. So. Right. Exactly. What's that thing? Oh, let me show you this. <laughs> well, I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, definitely elite places. And here's the question I had, or one of my many questions how do you clean those cesspits? Um, how, how do your servants clean those cesspits? Do you have to disassemble the whole thing? Yeah. You, you either get some, you know, <laughs> somebody down there or you fill it in and dig another, another pit, you know, do 10 you? Feet over right. Something. But in an urban environment, like so your, you your options are limited. Yeah, yeah. So you probably have to re, you know, lift, lift that stone and have someone muck it out. Okay. And how often do you do that? Well, that's all, that's all dependent. <laughs> it's really family and, and how prodigious they are. Yeah, it's a matter of personal choice, really. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, I can't even imagine the smell. I mean, I can't stand porta potties. I would just. Well, so that's another thing we did. Also, we did an episode on perfume and smelling and what things smell like. So there must've been all sorts of treatments you know, throwing huge, you know, bush, you know, whacked up bushes of, of, uh, you know, rosemary and thyme into well, these. Well, they have lime. They, they, and they have lime plastic, right. They have lime. So I think that that's something that they probably were pretty ad adept at figuring out how to cover the smell. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm happy. <laughs> we're, we're you quite seem, pleased. <laughs> you seem relieved. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> That one I got. <laughs> yeah. Well, but if 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 the reconstruction is correct, and and in seventh century Jerusalem it had a population between eight thousand and twenty five thousand. Yeah, I mean, you're talking prodigious amounts of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. Um, and and I think that there had right there. So these two toilets aside, there must have been some kind of system in place where either people went to, you know, some part of the outskirts of the city or something or used or used cooking vessel or pots. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what about a place like, I don't know, Uruk? Well, right. A hundred hectares, 400 hectares. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, if you were on the, if you were in a, neighborhood closer to the center then getting to the outskirts was not even possible so there must have been some kind of system in place right um and, and then certainly I think in the second millennium that in in mesopotamia there are uh you know toilets and drains with running water and uh things like that that have been invented right. well right. You, have and, drainage, you have drainage systems in iron age i mean come well, on right so that's the interesting thing we have a couple examples of drains in cities like a gezer um and we have lots of evidence of water systems but we don't have the kind of evidence of a big 
you know, drainage system for an entire city. Right. And the, the toilets are not connected to drains. Right. That we have. Right. Well, they eventually just go out, you know, they just drain out. Um, what what the, the toilets do? No, they go oh. into. <laughs> oh, 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 the toilets. I'm sorry. They, they go into the earth. Well, it's right. just of like, yeah, drain drains in general. They just kind of drain out. Okay. never mind. Um, so. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, one thing that was of interest to me and was <clears throat> raised in the article is the spread of dysentery. Um, and and it it refers to, and this is especially important in the first millennium, um, the movement of armies. Um, and you know, my, you know that that's a that's a large group of unsanitary um, men. Yeah, you know, moving all around. Yeah, and that got me thinking. Wow, well, maybe dysentery wasn't a big deal. Maybe it was just part of life. And, you know, yes. they, they sort of knew how to deal with it. They wasn't a big deal to them at all. Um, Except and, it can kill you. I mean, a bad case can kill you. Well, it can. And mild cases could go undetected. So, you know, right. it has, the, it runs the gamut. Right. Um, so, but, but maybe we're making a bigger deal about it than they did. That's interesting. Actually, that's very interesting. And I well, was all, all armies in, in historic times have very rigid protocols about sanitation precisely to prevent these kinds of things. So everything is organized and, you know, bureaucratically and spatially and behaviorally you got to do, you know, set up these kinds of facilities. And Yeah. But things sort of, you you have to, you, you have to kind of think that, you know, in the ninth through sixth centuries, when the Neo-Syrians and Neo-Babylonians are marching all across the, the Middle East, that things things are breaking down pretty fast. They're not able to, you know, attend to all of these protocols with the with the level of detail that are needed to make them work. And and if you've got to go, you've got to go, and you can't necessarily wait till you get to your next appropriate spot if you're marching. Um, and and it's it, and we should point out historically, I think you already did that. You know, you've got the Assyrians coming, then you've got the Babylonians, you've got the Egyptians, you've got this whole little area conquered multiple times in exactly, exactly the time frame. So tons of armies and right. soldiers stationed there, and soldiers coming and going because different ones are rotated out. So yeah, armies are crapping all over this. Uh, this part exactly, of the, and the armies world. are comprised. You know, there's local contingents that are being added to armies and people are being stationed and people are being moved around. So once Jardy is on the, on the move, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's going to be a big issue, but yes. that got me thinking that maybe it isn't such a big issue. Maybe it's just a routine part of life. Right. Right. I think you might be onto something. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's a different question, a different direction we can go. Um, so the article mentions um, Mesopotamian texts and give us, gives us the cuneiform word for dysentery. Mm -hmm. And um, how much, I mean, but there are no Egyptian texts mentioned in the article. And I'm trying to think of any biblical reference to this type of discomfort and I can't. Um, so, you know, I mean, where's all the writing about this? Well, maybe because it's so, it's so completely normal that they didn't even comment on it. Right. Right. And there's also, there's no biblical specifically or biblical era specifically medical texts. 
Right. right. As opposed to Mesopotamia and Egypt and um, specifically later Jewish texts. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, and other, you know, contemporary, you know, Persians or Astrian, what have you. Well, and but, I mean, but even just think of, you know, the, the, the Essenes and their, mm-hmm. you know, obsession mm-hmm. with hygiene. Right. Well, that's right. interesting. Right. right. And I think the Talmud um, talks about. Stuff. Oh, it talks about all, all this kind of stuff. Right. And, and in the, I mean, I, I don't know anything, I don't know anything about these, these texts. Uh, except that in in Mesopotamia, at least, you know the 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 origins of diseases of communicable diseases like dysentery are not not really well understood at all. And there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of concern in medical texts with um, demons, right? And right. and you know bad humors and and uh, vapors and things like things like that That's true. Um, but i think it's just a a kind of you know lacuna uh, random lacuna that we don't have any any biblical era texts that talk about health yes and yes uh, or, or medicine medicine but i was kind of thinking also narrative texts you know you don't have you know Enkidu isn't dying of dysentery. I don't remember how his death is described. And you don't you have plenty of biblical poetry and all, and and you don't have any. I mean, maybe it's too fourth grade humor for the biblical writers. I don't know, um, but uh, but it just doesn't appear. You know, Sinui up in Syria, he's not uh, he's not mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> uh, no, no comments, you two. No, there's I, a whole. I just found a whole article called um, "Dysentery in Mesopotamia." <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of consideration. Oh, this is about you know World War One. Oh. Uh, there was a lot of dysentery then, right? In Mesopotamia, that was a big mess. Okay. Um, um, another aspect of this is the role that flies play in the spread of yes. in the spread of Jardia. Yes, and yes. Um, those of us who worked on digs that had tent camps, you know, this was always a big, a big issue. Um, you know, sanitary conditions on these kinds of things uh, and the use of lime to reduce that. But the fact that there were lots and lots of flies and, um, you know, all every time any tent camp experience I had, um, this kind of thing was always an issue. Right. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, in, in that context, everybody's getting sick all the time because it's new water, it's new people. It's... Well, no, new water doesn't, it's it's what's in the water that's making you sick. It's not right. the water. I right. get that. Yeah. Different um, bacteria, which locals are. Well, used... that's exactly it. It's the, it's whatever kind of background noise is that's in the bacterial noise that's in the, in the water. Right. But you usually get over that. You get a little dehydrated, knocks you out a little bit. Um, so maybe that's what we're looking at here in in uh, Iron Age, late Iron Age Jerusalem. Is they weren't all that sick. They just had a little upset. Um, on the other hand, they did have whipworm, ringworm, tapeworm, pinworm, right? All these other you know chronic things that were you know disgusting and yeah 
and yeah. distressing and painful. Right. But again, it's it's how it's how the society regards it. If it's right. just part of life and everyone is sort of dealing with it on a somewhat regular basis, then it's not such a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe that's why it doesn't really make a big appearance in in the Hebrew Bible. Well, that was my question is, I mean, are, are we looking at the gastric um, backdrop to, to the, to the Bible here, um, to the, to the biblical narratives that, uh, which they dealt with by not talking about it so much because it wasn't such a big deal mm-hmm. or they're kind of a little bit, you know, reluctant to talk about it. But the fact is that it wasn't a very healthy population. Right. It was Does that population- change our picture of the biblical period, the biblical narratives, the biblical lifestyle? We know a lot more about biblical feasting than um, than we do about our current topic. You know, <laughs> well, <it's> <laughs> input rather than output. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the right. two do go together. Right, because that well, the, but the input is always you know a festive shared kind of thing. Whereas how many people is, are is private suffering? True, but how many people <laughs> end up suffering privately after a big festive communal meal? Yeah, I mean, what if that lamb is sitting and, out and, too long after being sacrificed? And the festive, the festive setting, the communal setting is precisely one of the vectors That's for transmitting. Is these yeah. kinds of uh, these kinds of things because you know the 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 stand the standard of somebody's hand washing just wasn't up to snuff that day or something the we, something we deal with today right or or you know the the centerpiece of the of the feast was a tiny bit undercooked exactly <laughs> and the right. ring the ringworms and the pinworms persisted and um maybe it's maybe we can think of it as not a big deal because one of the main vectors of its spread, flies, are not really, you know, not re- they don't really appear as a big issue in biblical texts and things like that. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. You got the name Beelzebub, first of all. Yeah. And, um, but- and 19th century accounts talk about, you know, children with horrible eye infections and flies just staying in their eyes, you know. Right. But it's like they're not one of the 10 plagues. That's Okay. Right. Okay. You know, flies bringing dysentery, which honestly, if it was, a, you know, if it was regarded as a real horrible kind of thing, it, it might make some kind of an appearance. OK. You know, the prophets might be saying, oh, you know, if, if, you, if you don't do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, <laughs> flies okay. will descend upon you and you'll have dysentery. I'm just quickly Googling flies in the Bible. Um. <laughs> flies and dysentery in the Bible. Exodus chapter eight, verses 21 through 23, for it will, for if you will not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you, um, et cetera. Uh, okay. So. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Um, but on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. So, okay. So. You Better know, in the midst of the land than in the midst of your small intestine. <laughs> yeah, but it was it, it was obviously recognized that flies are no good. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, 
and whatever whatever the role they play in the in the larger ecosystem um was... Ecclesiastes, verse uh, chapter 10 verse 1 dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor <laughs> i think Whoa. that applies to this podcast actually it's like a, a fortune cookie <laughs> <laughs> all right so the whole so the question really is at the end of the end of the day one that we can't answer is that they live with it obviously they lived with it right um uh but it but it was sort of uh not such a big deal it was right. naturalized in in some way except maybe if your kid got dysentery and died um right. or right. something along those lines I think we actually came to a conclusion. Like we actually talked this through and came to a conclusion. <laughs> so we're saying that it didn't matter to them so much. Yeah, but, yeah that that's, uh, that's the, quite an assertion. That's a bold assertion. It is, but I I also want to reemphasize my other um, insight, which is chamber pots. Let's all start looking in the archaeological record for chamber pots. Well, uh, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You don't like that. I don't know why. I, I hate to say it, but you know, running all these all these big jars through the mass spectrometer with this in mind. I don't know. We need a big grant as usual. Right. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um hmm. final thoughts. Final final thoughts. Well, I, I, let's there is this one uh Mesopotamian text that we haven't really talked about the specific uh, line that is repeated in a lot of the press clippings in this article. If a person eats bread and drinks beer, and subsequently his stomach is colicky, he has cramps and a flowing of the bowels. Setu has gotten him. So I, I'm curious as to the relationship between eating bread and drinking beer, which is completely normal in Mesopotamian society, and getting dysentery. Like, why are those two linked, as opposed to flies being linked? Or, you know, drinking bad water as opposed to eating uh, bread and drinking beer. Yeah, well, that's a good question. What's I mean, your thought? It's a good, it's a good thought. Um, if I had to address it, I would say that it's a metaphor, bread and beer, a metaphor for eating in general, having a meal. And right, okay. After a meal. I mean, you know, that's when you usually, diarrhea hits you after you've eaten, right? So yep. I think I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink the water. Um, that's probably the bottom line. Yeah. If you if you're thrust back in time anywhere. Yeah. What do you, yeah, but you're not going to be able to buy bottled water, so you're going to have to get one of those one of those you know special straws that are you know that you can. I've got one of those. Yeah. Right. Do you? Um. Yeah. Well, drink the beer. Right. Well, not according to the Mesopotamian text, though. <laughs> With the, it's the probably the best you can do, though. I guess we haven't even delved into, and we're not going to the issue of. Well, we talk about a lot, lot about number two. We haven't delved into the issue of number one. Well, for men, num the issue of number one is not an issue. Yes, but it is an issue for women. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm just saying. We, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just saying. We've got all of the out of doors. You you have your mythical chamber pots <laughs> right um okay. yeah but it, it so it sort of changes everything but it doesn't necessarily change everything 
that they really weren't all that healthy, but they didn't seem to mind. Right. Well, if, if they didn't mind, why should we mind? <laughs> you know, on that note. That note. Right. Okay. All right. Well, what can I say? After this episode, I'm going to wash my hands about 50 times. You should too. So as always, we'd like to thank our music director, Maestro Erez Dessel, Community Engagement Coordinator for the Chicago Philharmonic, for our theme music. Look for his performances in the Chicago area and follow him on Instagram, Instagram, not Instagram, at 54 BPM. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, the Dumont Television Network, a division of Yo-Yo 9 Propulsion Systems. Be sure to watch the Dumont Royal Theater Thursdays at 9.30 with this week's star, Hugh O'Brien. And so, to get in touch, just leave us a comment or hit the little heart-shaped button or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisAncient, it's one word, and on Facebook. Contact us via email at ThisWeekInTheAncientNearEast, which, as you know, is all one word, at gmail.com. Or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass., 02134.